real. What? Are we ready? Hey, welcome everybody. It's another episode of No Driving Gloves. I'm still bouncing around, staying busy over here. Uh, podcast studios are happening and we're recording and the editor sometimes lacks, but we're getting stuff out to you. We've uh, realized we're approaching that century mark for episodes, so we really appreciate a bunch of you hanging out with us and being there since the beginning and those that have added on to the ride. If you hang around at some point during this podcast, we're doing a contest, giving away some Amazon gift cards. Uh, We're going to do $30 a week up to episode 100, and then the 100th episode, we're going to give away a $100 Amazon gift card. Stick around, find out the details on how what you've got to do to uh, get your name entered and a, sh- a shot at those. Uh, that's kind of our tease. We don't get sponsored. Amazon's not sponsoring. We're buying this out of our own pocket. I'm just trying to get some listener numbers up and uh, get 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 the word out there. Yeah, it's not shameless. We're not doing anything shameless. No. Hey, I'll do anything for a buck. I'm not saying. You know, we're, we're all car guys. We we all need something. Maybe we should do Summit Racing gift certificates. But twenty bucks is twenty bucks, right? Yeah, twenty bucks is twenty bucks. <laughs> but we're we're, we're we're doing thirty, <laughs> so so you can spend twenty five and cover sales tax. Have what will you do for thirty bucks? This is a family friendly podcast, and I cannot discuss that. So, you guys been up to anything exciting or revolutionary or car-wise? Uh, just trying to get uh, some parts ordered I'm having trouble getting. So, other than that, what's well, normal, right? That seems to be normal in the car, trying to, <laughs> trying to get parts. But if I understand, you've got a fabulous parts guy, because when I became available, you didn't need my services. That's right. I ain't mm-hmm. letting Chris go. <laughs> Crisco, that sounds delicious. That's right. You got anything happening, Derek? No, not really. I've been, uh, you know, playing around with the new truck, playing with the Falcon, eh, put running boards on the truck. They look nice. Running boards really make a truck, you know. Without them, looks kind of goofy. Well, you're a shorter guy. You're a, fellow, a shorter fellow like me. It's kind of nice to have them. You got that Chevy. GMC. You know. Yeah, I, I can't tell the difference. Same thing. Same yeah, thing. Yeah, the grill The grill looks different. They, they put a different grill in them. Well, I, I was following one the other day, and I know it was a GMC because there were about 18 different gaps in the tailgate from the different ways you could <laughs> fold it down. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I got I got the year before that, so I'm good. You saved yourself 85 pounds. <laughs> and a lot of haggling from me. Uh, I'm just mm. wondering what the repairs... The more things you have on a car, the more warranty repairs you have. So. Mm-hmm. And when you go out of warranty, the more out-of-pocket repairs you have. That's why you do what John does. You just trade them in every few years and just... Keep getting different vehicles, and every few, I'm usually every year. But because of this new employment situation, I'm pulling my hair out. It's time to replace that SHO, and I can't do it. <laughs> I don't have enough income right now. So that's a reminder about our Patreon. <laughs> you can check our 
inactive Patreon page, but you can feel free to send us money there too. too. But wow, really digging for it tonight. Yeah, uh, say, that's what John's been doing is scraping for every nickel. <laughs> oh, like I said, t- said a few weeks ago, got the a new newer um, idea going through my head. Might might if I could speak. Something might come of that, and been playing with some car guys around town and uh, picking up a little bit of work after about... This is a family-friendly show. Could you rephrase that? Nope. Playing with guys. (laughs) That's what I heard. Mm. Well, you guys were talking about Crisco earlier, so... Now I'm... That, oh, pre- got, that, that previously edited pre- comment has me so <laughs> distraught and lost, I don't know where to go from there. But just working with cars, dealing with some collections, uh, helping a buddy with a slot, or not a slot car, a uh, remote control racetrack that he's opening in Birmingham. I'm playing with cars on all levels and all sizes. Simulators, remote control, slot cars, full size, $10, million, whatever's going on. Getting frustrated along the way, meeting some pretty dumb people at times, and finding some interesting stories happening out there. And that's going to, as we gently move into, I'm not going to... Stupid people? Yeah, well, stupid people, dumb stories. You know, there's three of us here. We've been playing in this hobby for a combined 75 or 80 years. I said to them on Monday, we've got to have some stories that just kind of seem unbelievable. You know, you, you hear them, and, and I'm not saying the one that, well, I had a buddy with a Porsche 928, and he, uh, he, he, he left his wife and told his wife to, you know, sell it and send him the money, and then she sold it for $25 at the Quick Mart. Now, not that kind of story, but... If anyone knows of a wife that is selling off a um, husband's car at that price, uh, let us know. Yes. Do you guys have any ridiculous stories that you're just begging to tell, you know, 40 or 50 people about? Or No. Okay. Come on, Will. We know you got one. Yeah, I'm digging. I'm digging. I'm digging on which well, one I'm going to I, I just kind of thought Will would take this as an opportunity to slam one of the big shows again. You know, this seems to be a regular <laughs> yeah, thing. exactly. These guys are so stupid, they just don't understand social media. Well, I, I, you know, there's a lot of people right now that think probably every one of my customers is stupid. Just for the sheer fact of the sheer dollars that they spend on their custom cars. And, I, you know, I hear it all the time. What a, what a heck's that guy going to spend that much money on that car? Because that's what the hell he wants to do. That's why he's going to do it. He wants something unique and different, and he don't want a Burger King cruising car and look like everybody else. I, I hear my customers are stupid a lot. I defend them wholeheartedly. If, you know, if I was sitting here with millions and millions of dollars, you daggum right, that's where my money would be going. I'd be building badass cars and badass boats and everything else, you know? And, um, I mean, I, I, I hear that side of it a good bit. And, uh, I do remember, I see, what year was this? I'm going to say it was 2007. 
Yeah, it was 2007. We had just opened Big Oak Garage, and we went to the swap meet in Moultrie, Georgia. And we were down there. We were selling a car, and we were buying a lot of parts for a 57 Chevrolet that we were building. We had uh, Dan Chuck deliver a bunch of parts down there uh, to save on shipping and whatnot. So we were down there, and we're walking through the swap meet. The car's for sale. And there is an 85 Chevrolet square body truck. And don't get me wrong, this was a really nice stock, been repainted, nice interior, 85 Chevrolet four-wheel drive truck. And they had 18.5 on the windshield. And I, I will never forget it to this day thinking what in the hell is some there ain't nobody here that's going to give that much money for a square body chevrolet truck and you know you look at them now and and you wouldn't think that but uh in 2007 that was that was one of the craziest things i'd ever seen and it's not crazy now but it, it it was then because i mean you could go buy a nice 85 Chevrolet four-wheel drive truck for three or four thousand dollars and you know I just remember my dad and I talking about that a lot and thinking man we won't ever see them cars trucks bringing that kind of money but I mean we're we're, we're at that time now where they are but um, at that time it was that was crazy that goes back to the old saying which I think I'll say is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard said. You uh, you never pay too much. You buy too soon. That's horrible. Yeah, you paid $18,000 for it, you know, 12 years ago. It's worth $18,000 today. Okay, but I think $18,000 would have bought me just a little bit more back, you know, back then. I always have, okay, so I pay too much if I buy... XYZ car for $50,000 today, and that's double what they're going for. Yeah, at some point, it's those cars are going to be worth fifty grand, but fifty grand's only going to buy a $25,000 car. You know, once you throw in the economies of scale and inflation. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You bought the wrong car. I, I've got one on buying the wrong car. I can't say too much about it, but one of the most intelligent things I've ever heard is you don't make the money selling it, you make the money buying it. No, and, I agree with I agree with that 100%. And when you're a car dealer, you need to buy it right and you don't need to cry when it goes bad. But, but you you just you just have to, you know, again, there's one of the most intelligent things. You make the money buying uh-huh. it. Always, you know, if you pay too much in the beginning, you can't make it up on the other end unless you want to hold it until it becomes worth that much money. Stupid things I've heard. Stupid. Well, and that the other thing to that is, of course, me, you know, my experience growing up at a restoration shop, if you're going to buy something and you're going to buy, buy it for top dollar, make sure you know what condition the car is in and what quality it is because... There were more than, you know, 
a handful of times, probably a handful, two handfuls, two footfuls worth of times that, you know, we would have cars come into my dad's restoration shop. And the one that sticks out right now, the, the best in my memory is it was, you know, 68 to 72 GTO bought that body style of GTO. And the guy, had, it was a, um, you know, it was a, a Southwest car. So, you know, a dry climate car and was a great condition and had been restored and all this stuff. And, you know, he, he had it sent to my dad's shop to check it out and just, you know, make sure it was running right, all that good stuff. You know, when, when you open the hood and actually get into it and start looking, well, you know, we found the two by four shim in the, you know, where the fender bracket should be so that the fender didn't flap around in the wind and dents that you could see from the backside of the, the fenders and quarter panels that were just full of mud on the outside to make it look like it was well restored. And, you know, it's one of those bought it sight unseen things for top dollar and you just, you don't know what it is and you wind up dumping another, you know, as much as it's worth into it to fix all the problems that are left behind. That's, I mean, that's one of my all time biggest, probably pet peeves with people is, Oh yeah. The ad says it's, it's, you know, a perfect restoration, no problem. And you know, you get to it and look at it and it's like, well, yeah, it might be restored, but it's not restored. Right. Not even close. Yeah, I've had I've had cars in the come in the shop that were ready to paint and and man, just nightmares. Not absolute nightmares. You know, chicken wire and bondo, car tags in the floor pans, just you name it. We've 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 seen it all. Steel wool. I pulled steel wool uh and bondo together and um i mean it's it's some of the stuff people do is just really bad and and you know these guys have paid good money to have work done and i mean it it comes into a shop like ours where we we take our pride in doing everything right and i mean sometimes that that customer's just like no I, i i can't i can't afford to do it redo everything and then some of them are just like you know, fix it right. I actually had one car that came in one time that the they had reskinned the deck lid and they cut the lip off that you you know you hammer over the structure on the skin and drilled holes about I don't know an inch and a half two inches away from the edge and spot welded the deck lid skin on the structure and the bad thing about it we didn't figure this out until after the car had been painted and so it the car had been painted and we went to a car show and it was extremely hot and we got back to the we got back to the shop and i noticed a crack in the deck lid and i was like what in the world is that uh, and luckily I, you know, I told the customer, you know, if we don't, if we don't take it all the way down to metal, then I can't warranty what's underneath it. 
And so anyway, come to find out, it it, it it gotten hot. And everybody knows when a car gets hot, it moves. You know, the sheet metal moves. It, it goes up and goes down and forward and side to side. And the metal had moved so much, it had cracked that spot weld where they had spot welded the, the skin to the structure on the top side. And, you know, we had to go in there and basically take the skin off and, and buy a new deck lid skin, fit it to the car, which is a finished car. So you can't touch the body. You can only touch the deck lid. And you want to talk about a nightmare. That was a nightmare. I, I can kind of top that body work. Uh, years ago, I came across a Mustang for sale, and it had all the rust repaired out. Somebody had come along and welded new quarters on it and put new front fenders on it and new door skins on it. But something looked a little bit off. Uh, they welded them over the old fenders. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that done. They, they've ne- never no, t- come on. That, that's, that's, that's not wrong. That's just, you know, that's just creating some a new body design, okay? They're really going for a different, the wide body look. Well, that's exactly where I was going to go, because Will and I, last time I was up at his shop, we had a discussion, and it's about the Rocket Racing Wheels Camaro. He's up there and will tell me if, if i have to edit it but they're doing a wide body on it and apparently apparently you don't get on facebook <laughs> or, or instagram today I, I saw it today that's why i'm kind of bringing it up <laughs> okay. i'm just making sure that, that i can say that you guys oh, did yeah. a wide body and you did it right you brought the fenders out you know you massaged it around the wheels it's not a wide body um when you tack on fender flares a la Liberty Walk, a la Chrysler and their wide-body challengers, whether it be a Hellcat, a Demon, a Red Eye, I don't care. When you put plastic fender flares on it, it's not a wide-body. It needs to flare out, and there needs to be some body work done. It's, you know, that's one of my pet peeves, and if you want to talk about something that it just irks me every time somebody talks about their new Challenger wide body and it's got the plastic fender flares on it. Give me a break. You know, they, could, they couldn't stamp new fenders for it. But Derek's right. That's exactly what they did. That's what was off. Is this Mustang probably was a quarter inch, three-eighths of an inch wider. Hey, you get an extra, you know, you go ahead and, you know, put 225s on there instead of 215s or something. <laughs> I haven't seen fenders done that way, but I've seen quarter panels done that way, mm-hmm. where they just set the old quarter on, or the new quarter on top of the old quarter and just weld it up. And man, I tell you, and I, you know, butt butt welds is where you 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 have you have to butt weld panels. If you start lap welding panels, you know, especially in the middle, in the middle of a freaking quarter panel or a deck lid or a door skin or something like that. When the sun hits it, you're going to see a line there. There's nothing you can do. And, you know, I don't know how many door skins we've cut off because people's just bought the door skin bottoms and put them up there and plug welded them and, and stitched them up and lap welded it. And, you know, it don't work. It don't work. 
Well, I thought you um, bought those tools from uh, that famous um, restoration supply company in Pennsylvania that look like vice grips, and you just go down, and it makes this little step that you can... <laughs> I do have a pair of those. They're, they're, they're uh, air-operated, but it's for, it's for doing floor pans and stuff like that, you know, and um, it's not for the outside bodywork areas for sure i thought that's what the picture showed me guess i'm well, wrong you know i mean you can do it that way if you're a half-ass and if you want to talk about where you started there steel wool and stuff one of my best best stories of restoration and one of the funniest thing and maybe i've alluded it to alluded to it or discussed it before on the podcast heck with alluding to it uh, back when I was working in, in Kansas and I was at McPherson and I was doing my, uh, had my night job working in a restoration shop there. We got this Thunderbird in and it had had, it, it had been restored at one point in its life. We pulled, a, you know, a screen door out of it. Literally, we pulled an entire screen door, less the handles, the frames of the screen door the metal channel that goes, you know, surrounds the screen door. They were used in the rockers. The screen from the screen door was used in the doors as filler. The the um, perforated panel that's on the bottom of 50s era or whatever you call it, that textured panel from a 50s era screen door, it was used as patch panels. It's just everything of the screen door was in this Thunderbird and, you know, we joked about it, you know, getting into, you know, blasted it and got, you know, found the filler and, you know, dug out on the door and took it. Oh, yeah. By the time we were done, we had a screen door for the shop. It was just, and it's the stupid, ridiculous things you encounter where, you know, what even possesses you to go, hmm, I got a screen door out back. I mean, can't you? You order up a piece of aluminum channel. I mean, if you're going to use aluminum in a rocker anyway, where I don't, I, I don't even get the logic in doing that. You know, that screen door was probably worth five bucks, and even if that was a lot of money, it'll eventually, you know, be worth five dollars if you just wait long enough. Alluding to <laughs> so, um, there used to be. This used to be pretty popular to do. I actually never done it. I always kind of thought it was kind of cheating. Um, but, you know, pocketing firewalls has always been kind of a necessity in hot rodding. I mean, we pocket every firewall because we set the motors way back and want, you know, better weight transfer and ride and handling capabilities and stuff like that. Uh, but people used to go buy metal wheelbarrows and weld them in their firewall uh, for pocketing a firewall. Mm -hmm. Now, I, you know, guy, guy at home, you know, I, I get it. Um, that's because uh, it's got a neat look to it. And uh, I've actually built some firewalls that kind of look like a, mm -hmm. a wheelbarrow. Um, but, you know, just, just build the panel. You know, A, you're... It's going to be cheaper in the long run to just go buy some sheet metal and bend it up yourself, and you're going to learn how to do it. Uh, you're teaching yourself how to do something different, and uh, so you know I don't necessarily think that's uh, 
wrong, but uh, it's kind of the easy way out and cheating, you know? What do you think? Do you think that's well, but, wrong but, or not? In today's world, I don't think it necessarily is. A, a wheelbarrow as a, you know, for a tunnel or something like that or giving you that dish, that, very, that seems very rat rod. Now, I know your opinion on rat rods and things like that. That just seems like somebody would do th- something somebody would do now is a rat rod. And, you know, I guess some of the stuff that we're criticizing here is done in the rat rod industry. But again, we've talked about rat rods on a previous episode. And a rat rod done right, it's okay. I don't care if you've welded a stop sign into the floor of your rat rod if it's done with that intention. If you welded a stop sign into the floor pan of your 66 Mustang, uh, just because you didn't want to go buy a piece of sheet metal or order pans from, you know, Mustang Sally or whoever sells Mustang parts, there's a problem. So. Yeah, they, well, they, but here's, here's, here's two ways I look at it, though, is, number one, even if it's not in the rat rod industry, you know, even if you're you're doing it as a not, let's not call it a high-end build, but a, a well-done build, but you're you're doing it out of a you know creative license where you know it's a unique feature on the car i can see it being interesting but also i mean if if you're really just looking for a piece of sheet metal that's shaped in that way i mean you're not welding the whole wheelbarrow in with the rolled edges and everything but you're actually cutting out a panel of it and using it stripping it and painting it the same as the car how many people are going to actually notice that it's truly from a wheelbarrow? I mean, you know what most, I mean? It's most, it's it's a stamped don't. piece of sheet metal, right? Yeah, it it, it kind of so, looks it kind of looks right at home if it's done right. Yeah, I mean, I I can look at it and tell if it's a wheelbarrow or a hand fabricated piece. I mean, I I should be able to with what I do for a living, you know. Um, where the, the normal person's not, not ever going to know if, like you said, they, you know, they cut the roll off of it and butt weld it in place and, um, make it look nice and paint it nice. I said, I've seen it done a bunch. Um, and I don't necessarily think that it's totally wrong. I just think it's cheating a little bit, you know? Oh yeah. I'm not saying it's not cheating for those of you at home that want to practice, we suggest buying the plastic wheelbarrow first, right? Working you, with that, then moving your way up to sheet metal. If you own a Corvette, especially. Yes, yes, just fiberglass that bad boy in. A plastic wheelbarrow works for the plastic cars. Exactly. I tell you, now, something else I've seen a lot of, and 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 this is this is bad if people do it, is putting fiberglass over steel. Because all it does is hold in moisture mm-hmm. and it rusts behind, yep. you know, it rusts behind the fiberglass. And I, oh my God, I've seen it done mm-hmm. so many times. And that is 100% the totally wrong way to repair sheet metal. You have to repair sheet metal with sheet metal. I just don't get where you're getting this stuff, Will. We might have to throw you off the podcast with this, <laughs> this crazy stuff you're talking about. Now, now wait, before we get too far here into, into anything else, because we've talked about metal, you know, quarter panels over quarter panels, uh, fenders over fenders. The, the, the stupidest things 
seen done. And in my opinion, it was it, it was dangerous because I was the one doing the work and I was the one that, you know, nearly got injured and nearly, you know, completely lost a car. Um, but I was working in at my dad's at my dad's restoration shop and it was I'm not gonna remember the year of it. But it was a MG I think it was an MGB convertible. We were restored my dad one of his clients was an MG collector, kind of British small British sports car collector. And he bought this car, you know, brought it over to dad's Fix, you know, restore it. I want it to look good, be a good driver, all that. Needed floor pans. So I was cutting the floor pans out. And I mean, it was within the first couple, you know, minutes of the word, you know, moments, let's call it, of starting to cut the floor pans out that I realized something was not quite right, but I couldn't figure out what it was until. There was a small fire, <laughs> and when I tried to figure out why, and I started to pull the floor pan back, and there was actually basically a, uh, like a backdraft of fire that blew out at me, they had welded floor pans over the o- old floor pans after they undercoated in between them and the undercoat was literally burning in between the floor pans luckily the car had already been stripped and nothing else caught on fire under the dash anything like that i was able to put it out but it was just absolutely ridiculous you know just that metal over metal but then sandwiching like a rubberized undercoat in between was just I mean, it was just insane. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it it would just, it, it shocked me as soon as it happened. Because of course I get this big plume of fire that shoots out. And I'm just thinking, my God, had the like underside, of, you know, all the wiring under the dash been there. I mean, that whole dash would have gone. It was in, it was just ridiculous and, and absolutely stupid. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was good times. It was good times. You do that all the time, right, Will? Rubber, oh. you know, undercoat, then another. Yeah, that's the proper way to do it. Yeah, um, you got really got to seal those the in between up. You know, you don't want right. erosion. Well, I've, I've I've been watching a lot of videos on building recording studios lately, trying to improve cars, quality of the podcast. And, and and that that's what you do. You take a room, and then you build a room inside that room, and you like insulate with rubber between the two rooms. Isn't it's just it just makes the car sound better. It's quieter. It's 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 dampening. Oh, it was sound deadening. Oh, oh. Well, I I screwed that MG up. Sorry. Yeah, that reminds me of the uh, meme. Speaking of stupid things, a uh, a friend of mine just got his new Jaguar I Pace, and he was pointing out some of the um, little bits of irony in a uh, electric Jaguar. The company that invented Lucas Electronics or used Lucas Electronics is now having an electric car that depends entirely on Lucas. I just don't 
I don't know about electric British cars at this point. It's just, I don't know. One of those things that... Well, I mean, it's really, it's, it's, I think it's for people who like to gamble. You never know if car is going to run when you go out there or not. So, you know, it's, it's for people that really like to, to risk it in life. I still don't know about electric cars, period. They seem to be pretty popular. You know, the ones, the ones from the early 1900s are fantastic. You really like to jump to those early 1900s. That might be one of the stupidest things I... <laughs> oh, wait, I didn't mean to say that out loud. Zara keeps telling me, inside your head voice, inside your head voice. Hey, they're they're pep, man. You get in like a 1922 Detroit Electric and throw that gear lever forward and off you go. Don't even have a clutch to like have to let out. Just instant go. How far could you go? As far as you want. 16, 17 miles, right? No, no, I mean, with a, a brand new set of batteries, you know, back in, in the 1910s and 20s, you know, I mean, brand new batteries, full charge. A lot of those cars would go between 75 and 100 miles on a charge. Wow. Yeah, but they didn't have recyclable I, batteries. That was the latest thing I heard. We don't have to worry about the batteries going away anymore or disposing of them because they're all recyclable. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. It just seemed like, you know, we're trying to come up with all these, uh, you know, crazy um, excuses or trying to figure out how to make the electric car gr green, even though, they, you know, they semi are, semi aren't. You know, his other comment about his Jaguar I-Pace is, you know, you know what technological breakthrough had to become necessary so that ja they could build an electric Jaguar? They had to come up with a way to make it leak oil. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what is this, bash Jaguar or not? Yeah, just stupid things. And... Frankly, I uh, just kind of find it's not necessarily stupid, but I don't know. If I, I still don't know if I really want I, an electric Jaguar. I'll tell you what, man. I, I might be sold on fixing stuff with uh, ramen noodles. I don't know if y'all seen the latest craze on this. Wait, what? Fixing ramen noodle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fixing uh holes in, in floor pans and bumpers and everything with ramen noodles. Where'd this come from? I'd seen a video on Facebook. Imagine that. Oh god. That seems a little bit like um all of a sudden it just we got this idea of um hemp body panels. And yes, Derek, I know Henry Ford did a hemp car and <laughs> Cheech and Chong did a hemp car, but <laughs> But all of a sudden, with all now wait, see with the with the well, see now you're talking about the ramen noodle repairs, the the you know let's call it organic plastics, soybean, hemp, all those. I I thought we were going to go to you know you heat up your ramen noodles in the water, you get your ramen noodles out, you take your hot water out to your organic plastic bodied car that has a dent in it now, you pour the hot water over the plastic panel and then pop it out and. Boom, you're done, you got dinner, you got your car fixed, all is good.
intended uh, moment of silence there. I'm <laughs> letting that joke die. <laughs> Will's not even listening. He's on YouTube or Facebook or something. He's over there looking for his ramen noodle repair manual. Uh, I got to send it to you guys. Oh, I was going to say we uh, discussed that. Will doesn't do Facebook personally. If it wasn't for one of his guys in his shop, I don't even think Big Oak would do uh, Facebook. <laughs> Be honest, if it wasn't for my fiance, I wouldn't do Facebook <laughs> or Facebook for no driving gloves. I actually do the Big Oak Facebook page. I just uh, don't ever put nothing on my personal Facebook page. So. Well, that's part of the life of a shop owner, warning everybody. That means Will has no personal life because he spends all of it at the shop. That's part of owning your own business, I guess. It is what it is. Well, I'm going to spin us into the tease from the beginning of the show as we wind down here. I'll do this and in case we then might have another dumb thing or something to talk about before we close it out. But in celebration of our 100th episode, Will, Derek, and I got together and brainstormed, and we came up with this idea. We're going to give everybody, well, we're going to give away $30 gift cards every week up until episode 100. And what we're asking the listeners to do is you take our episode or any episode of our catalog, go through, you know, go to nodrivinggloves.com, pick an episode, share it on your social media, and tag us in it. And social media to us is Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Just those three social media. Share it on one of the, th the big three, FT or uh, I. Yeah, Fit. That's it. Share it on Fit. And... <laughs> We'll we'll check the hashtags or we'll check the little at things and we'll choose somebody who shared it and you'll get a $30 gift card and then we'll contact you and we'll go on. And like I said, you can win the $30 gift card once, then everybody who's posted over the next sev seven weeks or so, this is episode 92, is eligible for the $100 card. And, you know, we'll get it emailed to you, and you've got a couple of bucks to spend on Amazon for telling everybody about your favorite automotive podcast. No driving gloves. So just remember, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, tag no driving gloves, and share your favorite episode of the show. It could be this one. It could be episode 10. Uh, just anything that's published on our catalog, share it out. Did you guys have anything else, or are we uh, going to call it a night? I mean, I think the stupidest thing I can think of right now is three guys that would just give away their hard-earned money just to, to get some listeners, but I don't, I don't really know anybody that does that. So You're promoting your personal brand. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm a brand. Yeah. Will has a brand. I've I I forced myself into a brand when the uh, Corvette fans run you out of the museum for putting a British car in there <laughs> and stagecoaches. So far, they've liked. Well, so far, most of them have liked it. Yeah, but I haven't come and visited it. You know, all my Corvette gear, my Corvette underwear, and my Corvette bra, and my Corvette socks, and my Corvette shoes, and my Corvette watch, and my Corvette sunglasses, and my Corvette earrings, and don't even drive a Corvette. <laughs> if if you need any of that, we sell it in the store. 
So. <laughs> oh, so I don't even have to own it. I can just go in, try it all on in one of your fine dressing rooms. There you go. We have two of them, actually. If one's full, you got another one. Do y'all sell Corvette toilets? I don't think so, but I can look into that. We might sell toilet seats. I was all of a sudden going, look why into am it. I Googling Corvette toilet seats? <laughs> and actually, it is a search. <laughs> it comes up in Google. There are Corvette toilet seats. There are Corvette... Um, Toilet paper holders. <laughs> I'm hoping the Corvette toilet seat is made from actual like leather that they use in Corvettes. Like I think that would be the classy way to go. It'd be the plastic they make them out of. <laughs> well, I actually will. There is a Corvette-powered bathroom on. Um, I guess at one point on eBay. It has a toilet, it has a tub, it has a Corvette motor in it. <laughs> and four I am not and, surprised. And four wheels. And then there is the toilet seat that is leather covered. Um oh excuse me, the the, cor the Corvette bathroom actually has two clawfoot bathtubs. And if you're interested, a hundred rolls of toil toilet paper will fit in a C6 Corvette. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I guess I'm, you know, we're making fun of. Oh, there's also a uh, La Corvette uh, soap, but we're making fun of Corvette. And um, I guarantee you, if I did the same thing and put the word Ferrari there. It would be the same stuff, but or Lotus. I don't know. Well, I know you do know there's Lotus toilet seats. I don't. I think there's a lot of Lotus stuff out there. Okay, I was going to say there's a Corvette toilet brush, but it's actually Tales from the Toilet Bowl is the. Uh... Hey, newest stupid thing. Podcasts that waste their time giving stupid facts about Corvette <laughs> toilet seats. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Well, I just learned about this. It's not Corvette-related, other than it was posted to the Cor to CorvetteForum.com. But um, they have the Roto-Wipe. Say goodbye to costly toilet paper. Um, with that, I'm going to... You put the image in your mind, and you'll have to wait till next week to have... Please Please say you're out, John. Well, the next picture is of the National Corvette Museum restrooms so, and urinals. So, yeah. Is it LS-powered? I don't know. Are they? They seem to be checkerboard-tiled walls. <laughs> um, I'm out. I'll talk to everybody next week. See you later. Adios.